The following podcast features two friends discussing their shared love of everything Manchester United. With that in mind, we must warn you that there may be a sprinkling of adult language throughout. If that isn't your cup of tea, then possibly this podcast may not be for you. Well, either that, or you might be a Liverpool fan. Let's get this podcast started. Welcome to Fans United Podcast. I'm Graham Woodcock. And I'm Chris Henning. Join us as we take a journey into our own personal memories of Manchester United and share their significant importance in our lives growing up in Banbridge, Northern Ireland. Episode four, Chris. What exactly is the title of this uh, this week's episode? Oh, that's a good one. It's, it was a bit... Uh, I tried to explain at the end of last week's episode, but I sort of elongated the... Uh... So people probably listen haven't a clue what this week's episode about. I think our what we decided on was our top three players for Manchester United who have played 100 games or less. Yes. And I think you put the caveat in that no current players. Well, yes, I, I think that's only fair and natural. Yeah, because that would be possibly easy <laughs> if we uh, hadn't done that. It, well, I mean... It, it would it would be this weekend because Derby Derby Day, we freaking won on Derby Day. <laughs> we did indeed. Um, for me, I didn't actually see the game. I was what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the plan was it's a it was Olivia's birthday. It was Olivia's birthday today? But we had my parents around for a tea party. And they were here at half 12. And I thought, plenty of time, half 12, bish, bash, bosh, get it done. Half four, they were still there. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Yeah. And I didn't want to be really impolite, but uh, I was <clears throat> oh, yawning and stretching and going, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, trying to kick people out the door. I don't know whether you can really be forgiven for not throwing them out. It is Derby Day after all. Yeah, I know. Then saying that, once they'd gone, I was able to stick on Five Live. I was doing dinner and it, it that actually brought me back. I used to love listening to Five Live whenever um, Alan Green, you know, was in his, a sort of, you know, the, the early 90s when I was sort of getting into football. And I think what drew me to Five Live was Alan Green was from here. And I'd never heard someone with, well, I was going to say our sort of accent, but uh, say my accent <laughs> on, on the on the radio, and I just that that was my love of sports journalism initially came from, and I listened to all the Manchester United games. Didn't have Sky whenever we were, were younger, but I stuck it on, and it was something about listening to football on the radio. I think it's it's more exciting. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I find it more exciting. But it was. Great to listen to the game as I was making dinner. Well, do you know why you probably find it more exciting? 
because the commentators there actually have to make you listen. So even the dullest of games require an, in, an injection of excitement. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a fair point, yeah. You know, no, no, no it, it, it's uh, rather, than, rather than saying that, uh, that two centre-backs are passing to each other, um, or one centre back is passing it to the left back, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's how you present it. It's and Maguire switches play to the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you immediately have a, a David Beckham raking ball from you know right to left. Exactly. When in reality, it was a ten yard tiddler. <laughs> but in saying that, I, I did enjoy watching match of the day but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you did watch the, the game what did you think as a as a as you were watching it live allow me to pause a moment so i can drench my next line in meaning we fucking won man we fucking won <laughs> it was it was a great game to watch um, felt we looked comfortable for the majority of the game and the work rate of the players was a joy to behold Hearing Kyle Walker shouting at his teammates because I had the um, the hear the stadium as is option on for whatever reason, so you could hear Kyle Walker shouting, "Cross the ball, cross the ball!" like a tooth, like a twenty fourteen era David Moyes, <laughs> only to see him realise that Dean Henderson is coming to claim them, and boy, he was such a tease. Yeah, coming away from his goal line, claiming crosses, leaving his six-yard box to smother the ball, and throwing, and throwing the ball like a sexy one-armed shot putter from the communist era Hungary with pace towards Luke Shaw. <laughs> I bet he loved it. Who? Oh, I did. And and let's not forget, Luke Shaw is currently playing like a man possessed by the spirit. Nineteen seventies, and is the man is just a joy to behold at the moment. He is superb. So yeah, very enjoyable. Yeah, I think from from watching matches today and seeing other other bits and pieces and highlight clips on on social media, I think the the tactics were spot on. You know, Ollie will never get praise for 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 tactics for playing a a game approaching it in the in the right manner. I thought, yeah, I'll totally agree with you. United looked very comfortable. They had a, a few a few times where that maybe they they might have done better, but as I said to you beforehand, I'd like to see Henderson get a run of 10, 12 games, you know, to the end of the season. That would be perfect world scenario to sort of who is going to be the number one goalkeeper. But he's he's starting to sort of, you know, I am a De Gea fan, but I'm not blind to the fact that he has his flaws and all good things must come to an end. But Dean Henderson is certainly stamping down a, a claim for that number one jersey. As you mentioned, Luke Shaw... I was speaking to another friend earlier on today and I was just thinking, imagine, imagine how, what level he would be at if he hadn't had that horrific leg break. Mm. You know, I, I, again, I, I mentioned in our, our WhatsApp group whenever Rashford absolutely bombed down the pitch to make a tackle. <laughs> now, yes, he, he subsequently injured himself, uh, but that's what I want to see. If United may not be the best thing, but 110% is the minimum that I expect. I would yeah, that's what that's what all good teams need is work rate from start to finish. And the annoying thing is of course, you know, the juxtaposition between the Palace game and this game. Um I don't know why maybe you know, it could, could have been any number of 
different factors, but the game was very enjoyable. I thought we made City, I mean, City have transitioned into this more possession team, mm-hmm. um, which which is which is funny because they were technically already a possessions team, uh, possession team, but they are they are playing a slightly different style to how they have been under Pep before. But in this period of rebuild that he is going for, they are possession. They are mostly possession based, and yes, they had a lot of possession, but they looked ordinary with it. Yeah, to be honest, definitely. I, I felt they looked ordinary, and a lot of that was down to how we set up um, the high line, which I'll be honest, I would have thought a high line against City with Harry Maguire, um, possibly not the best idea, but <laughs> you know, but it, it worked. And Dean Henderson really does make his voice heard. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's strange how I see our back four seemingly more organized when Dean Henderson is playing, but under De Gea, the, the amount of mistakes that I see are, are, are very, it's very strange. I don't know if that is a reason. Maybe De Gea is a bit too quiet, but I've but I've always suspected he's a bit too quiet. Sadly, because of the mistakes he's been making uh, over the last couple of seasons, yeah, those mistakes, or the, well, not those mistakes, but rather all the flaws in his game that I was willing to, you know, dismiss because he was such a great shot stopper. And he is. He's a world-class shot stopper. Yeah. But him not coming for crosses that are in the six-yard box does irk me somewhat. Um, but that's that's coming from um, training as training as being a goalkeeper myself, that I was always taught six-yard box, that's your area. Mm-hmm. The ball's coming, coming in that area, that's yours. Um, but anyway, but no, I, I thought I thought the game was very, very enjoyable. Should mention. It was also good to see the United women going back to winning ways, you know, thumping Aston Villa, you know, 3-0. Um, yes, I saw that. And should say, Casey Stoney has done a remarkable job since the club made the correct decision in reintroducing the team back into the women's game and with proper support. I'm still perplexed as to, you know, why obviously Manchester United people may disagree with this, but you could arguably say the biggest club in the world, why they just overlooked the ladies team for so long and then made that obviously you know the correct decision to, to come back I've, I've never understood it because of course the the um the very found the very foundation of the united women's team go, dates back to the 70s where they were the unofficial man united's uh women's team and it wasn't until uh the 80s i think it was um yeah mid, mid to late 80s i think um if i remember my history of it that they collaborated in support of each other but it was more of a handshake you know okay you are now man united women and then of course in 2005 um the glazers decided boom um no more um and their reason for this is they said it wasn't part of the core business i mean what the fuck did they think the core business was (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's football, right? I mean, the core business is football. I, I, I know shilling everything in sight, <laughs> you know, everything that's created by humanity in sight is a sizable part of our business, but it goes hand in hand with the, with the sport that is actually played <laughs> on the pitch and yeah. is enjoyed by men and women. 
Is it, is it not? It's it football, right? It's football, right? I know. You, you sort of think, you know, as you mentioned, as Ed tries to get a sponsor for every possible, you know, sort of thing he could, there's another team shirt on that they could be covered in, you know, Mexico's number three branded tire. Look, Swansea City have a turmeric deal, okay? They have a Swansea turmeric, okay? There are so many spices. Why the hell did we not get into the spice racket? <laughs> there could be United Oregano. There could be United, you know, Mace. United Mace, hey, it... <laughs> it sounds great. Man United Mace. Oh, dear. And the other thing about the uh, women's football, you know, oh, it's not part of the core business. But they kept the women's academy going. Yeah. They just There's a lot of it just doesn't make sense. You know, stupid decision. And, and now, thankfully, we have a team that is supporting the right way. Uh, Casey Stoney and a backroom team have crafted a Man United team in style and substance. And they're, and they're, and they're doing great. I know. I think when you sort of think... You know, it's 2018, so it's three, yeah, three short years. Yeah, it is actually, it was March 18, mm-hmm. three short years, uh, yeah. you know, how, how far they've, they've came. So it's all more part, you know, to them. And I think obviously now, right now, with no crowds being able to go to football, it's not the best of times, but you know, they're still plugging away. And I think they're, they're, they're in all sports, I feel there would be a, a mini and many booms in a lot of sports. And I think if they play that right, you know, whenever mm. COVID is, you know, you could see the numbers in the, the women's game because people will be glad to be getting out to seeing things that absolutely that might, you know, help. And I think they should capitalize. And especially at the moment where Manchester United, whether you like this part of the game or not, but they've got their act together in regards to social media. I just think it's 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 coming up to perfect timing that I think they could really, really do something well with the with the ladies' team. I, 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 yeah, I, it's daft that it, it's 2021 and we're talking about the fact that Man United have only had a team since 2018. Yeah. Um, but mind you, it's 20, it's the 21st century and we're still talking about racism, um, which is just blows my mind how on earth, you know, what on earth is wrong with people? That's, that's a completely different story. That's a completely different story. But before we continue with today's topic, yeah. someone uh, alerted me to this. Um, and I don't know if you know it or if you've even heard of it. Um, I didn't hear of it. But did you know Edwin van der Sar did a charity record in the Netherlands? No. Yeah, he did a charity record for the, in the Netherlands for an annual Radiothon charity event called Serious Request. Okay. And get this, right? It's a remake. It's a remake of YMCA. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm deadly serious. I have the lyrics here. I try now. I had the lyrics here. They were, I had to translate them from Dutch, so I'm not too sure if it's you know a literal translation or not. I mean, some of the. I'm not. I mean, it's a bit weird. But um, do, you, do you want me to give them to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's obviously YMCA. Everyone knows the tune to YMCA because you know it's. It's one of the greatest songs ever written by man. It is. Yeah, it is. So it's... Hey there, I am Van der Sar. I'm a devil who flies through the air. For club and country, I am at my best, clutching balls into my big chest. <laughs> <And obviously, laughs> then obviously... 
And then obviously, and then obviously the dun 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 because you know everyone loves a bit of dun 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 dun. Chris Henning said that I'm underrated. Yes, he said that I'm underrated. When they think of goalies, they don't think of me. But I was better than Ty B. Oh yeah. Oh dear. Suck it, suck it you in, and I've been working on that all afternoon. <laughs> that is very good. I had my hopes up there. I was actually going to find something on YouTube there. Oh, I know. I know you did. <laughs> well, look, let's uh, move swiftly on on the topic. Would you like to go first or shall I? Oh, please do. Who was your first pick? You haven't revealed your picks to me, so. Yes, that's right. I haven't. Okay, so my first pick, I went with a player who made 58 appearances for the club. He signed in 1982 and left in 1986. He spent four seasons at the club and it's Paul McGrath. Mm. So I went for Paul McGrath. Again, as we, we mentioned briefly at the start and sort of as we were sort of researching this episode, a lot of these picks, you're not going to have bona fide legends of the club, you know, playing 100 games and less. They're more, you know, cult icons or personal favorites. I think with, with Paul McGrath, the, the, probably the highlight of his career would have came maybe after, after United, but I just felt he, for a player who was dog with injuries obviously he is is very um open challenges with with alcohol but why i sort of he's one of my sort of top three it's just the what could have been i think he he clashed with fergie he obviously played he played well in the seasons that he was at united he wanted a pay rise he was part of the drinking culture at the club which fergie was coming in and he was cracking down hard on um, no, I'm going to rephrase that because cracking down hard on sounds weird. <laughs> Sorry, were we talking about cracking hard ons? Because oddly enough, we did win on Derby Day. <laughs> that's you do real you you do realize that's staying in. If I'm editing it anyway. Oh fucking hell! Uh, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> no, as I was saying. Paul McGrath. You were saying about cracking hard-ons, yeah. <laughs> it was indeed. He uh, I came and he wanted a, a pair rise, and obviously Ferguson saw this as a perfect opportunity, a player who was dogged by injuries, wanted a pay rise, thought... Sorry, Chris, you, you lost me. He, you lost me at he came and wanted a pay rise. I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a leap. <laughs> Graham, you're fucking this up for me. <laughs> well, you shouldn't give me so much material. <sighs> Oh, shite. Fucking, I don't even know where I am anymore. <laughs> well, he came and wanted a pay rise. That's what you said. <laughs> okay. So he wanted a pay rise. He wanted a pay rise. Paul McGrath, he, he went to Fergie. He, he asked for a pay rise. And I think Ferguson saw this a perfect opportunity to, to, to ship him on. He went on to Aston Villa. But when he went on, the success he had at Aston Villa, um, and he came runner-up in the, in the league. Uh, I think he won a winner's medal in the League Cup. He was the PFA Player of the Year in 1992-93 season. But one of the things I'll always remember about Paul McGrath was during the 1994 World Cup, the Ireland-Italy game. Uh, he had Baggio in his back pocket the whole game. So I think for me, there's an element of, yes, he didn't hit the, the highs at, at, at Manchester United. 
he was always going to clash with Ferguson at the end of the day. It's one of those things there that the, the personalities just didn't, they were never going to work together. But when he went on and had success at Aston Villa, they sort of think of him, what, what, what might have been. There's no doubting his quality, his skill, even for all the injuries and his personal problems that he had. And obviously a player to, to receive PFA Player of the Year, you know, he obviously had to be a quality player and he's revered, you know, from 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 all club sort of supporters alike. Um, and I just I just think Paul McGrath was he was one of those players that yeah, we're looking back at, at, at how Ferguson was, it was just never gonna work at Manchester United, but there's always that what could have been. No, absolutely. I, I have to be honest, Paul McGrath nearly made my list. He was like because it was three, you know, so it, but he nearly made my list because um not not for his United career, but for, you know, he played for United, obviously, but for everything else in his career, you know, Ireland and uh, yeah. and all the clubs. But you are quite correct when you say that every supporter has a, has, has a fondness towards Paul McGrath and he's definitely, definitely, definitely worthy of being in a, in a top list of players who played under 100 times for United. Yeah, I think also what you mentioned there about other fans and, it's that flaw, the human flaw that I think people sort of, it resonates with them, you know, because footballers are seen as these, you know, immortal icons, but there's always those ones that have that, that flaw that you, that are human and you always gravitate to those. Well, I, I, I sort of gravitate to those players who have that element of, you know, they're fallible. Well, yeah, but do you not, do you not think that is inherently, part of of sport because we all we all love the narrative i mean you think about all the times we talk about football um in in the bar with each other with other fans we're talking about our own mythologies yeah with our with our different clubs but because most most supporters of of football are supporters of football regardless of their of their tribe um if you will so we share stories. We always we always remember fondly a certain player. I mean, Gascoigne. I I, I loved Paul Gascoigne. I mean, the Italian ninety, you know, made Paul Gascoigne. The, the mythology of Paul Gascoigne was made in Italian ninety, and English football was practically reborn because of Italian ninety. Definitely, hundred um, percent. I, I, it, it, I think we've talked about this before, but there's something about that World Cup for me. It's my favorite World Cup. I think it's the setting, the music, you know, and I was seven at the time. So you still have that childish amazement at everything. But for me, you, you're right. The 90, it, it completely, it made, it made Gaza. It's my first player. And I mentioned him to you during the recording of the first podcast. And I, I love this player because his um, ability when playing for Aston Villa was so good that I often thought, what would happen if we brought him back to the club? And then we did. And it was Mark Bosnich. Mark Bosnich. Mark Bosnich. He was chosen by Sir Alex Ferguson to be the successor to Schmeichel. A free signing from from an Aston Villa side that were doing pretty well at the time uh, in the early nineties, certainly, 
And I think we can all agree, he, I think we can all agree he was pretty epic for Villa, the amount of times that uh, Mark Bosnich kept them in games. Yeah. So he played 38 times for the club, and it was the 99-2000 season, and we won that league by an 18-point margin. Can't remember who came second because, you know, that's how history works. <laughs> and yes, I am aware we are second, but um, <clears throat> never mind. That's different. Now, of course, it's, far, it's totally different. And of course, that 18-point margin was the largest uh, margin between first and second until I think it was 2017-2018 season when City beat it. They had 100 points. We had we had 81. So in the league, he only played 23 games. Raymond van der Hau played 11, and Massimo Taibbi played four. So he didn't play all the league games. And I think what will come next, we'll explain why. So Alex Ferguson himself revealed in his 2013 autobiography what he thought of Bosnich when, when, when we signed him. And apparently he did reveal that he tried to pull out of the deal before we signed him, which is never a good, which is never a good thing when you're, when you're signing your successor to one of the greatest goalkeepers Manchester United's ever had. He called him a terrible professional and, quote, and I'm going to read out the whole quote because it's, it's just brilliant. We played down at Wimbledon and Bosnich was tucking into everything. Sandwiches, soups, steaks. He was going through the menu. I told him, for Christ's sake, Mark, we've got, we've got the weight off you. Why, the, why are you tucking into all that stuff? We arrived back in Manchester and Mark was on, mo was on the mobile phone to a Chinese restaurant to, to order a takeaway. Is there no end to you? I just couldn't make, him, make an impact on him. He also said that um, Mark got off to a real bad start. He turned up for training three hours late and he was overweight. And he added at a press conference when he was launching the book, we had a bad period of time trying to replace Schmeichel, goalkeepers not being my strongest point. By the time we got to Edvin van der Sar, it was a blessing. Now, saying this, apparently he's the worst professional, <laughs> the club, or one of them, that the club has ever had. He kept 14 clean sheets and he conceded 36 goals in total. In the league, as I said, he made um, 23 appearances. So he conceded 21 goals and 11 clean sheets. So I looked at other goalkeepers um, who came after, really. But I'll start with, I'll start with Big Pete. And, uh, and for all of these goalkeepers bar one, and I'll explain when I get to him, but all these goalkeepers, I've looked at their stats for the league only, and for their first season playing for the club. So with Schmeichel, he played 23 games in the old first division. He conceded 16 and kept 10 clean sheets. Fabian Bartes played 30, conceded 17, 15. So that's, that's pretty much, you know, it's not too bad. That's, that's on par. Howard played 32 times. He conceded 31 goals and 12. He's not too, you know, Howard's slightly worse we'll have to say because the goals conceded even though he's played more games um and he's only kept one extra clean sheet roy carroll roy carroll's in the list but i'm using his 2004 2005 stats and the reason for that is whilst he had been at the club a couple of seasons for a good few seasons beforehand he was never an established number one it was only until 0405 when you know the confidence in in tim howard had uh, dissipated roy carroll started playing and he played 26 times, 
he only conceded 16 goals and kept clean uh, kept 15 clean sheets, which is not bad for Roy Carroll when you consider that everyone's opinion of Roy Carroll is he made a lot of howlers. And then, of course, we get to the underrated Edwin van der Sar. <laughs> yeah. Played 38 times, conceded 33 goals, and kept 19 clean sheets. So when you look at his stats, he wasn't too shabby. No. Wasn't too shabby. And he was a part of the team that won the league at a canter. He also played and kept a clean sheet against Palmeiras of, uh, of Brazil in the Intercontinental Cup, becoming the first British team to win that, uh, that cup. Not that anyone actually cared about it. <laughs> so he didn't do too badly. No, he didn't. And as I say, I, 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 I loved Bosnich for his time at Villa. And then, of course, he, um, you know, he could have left after the first after uh, after one season because obviously United bought Bartes in, but he stuck around, didn't make the team. Then he left, and of course, uh, we all know what happened at uh, at Chelsea. Which I'm because I I do wonder what would have happened today with Bosnich because, of course, at Chelsea we know that he was sacked from his contract because after he admitted a cocaine addiction and he tested positive to cocaine. He was banned by the Football Association for nine months and Chelsea just sacked him. Now, today, because we are more aware of mental health issues, would that have happened? Would it not have been a case of, okay, you've admitted a problem, we want to help you? I mean, yeah. and that, then I say that and I remember Paul Merson at Middlesbrough was sent on Middlesbrough's money to the Priory in America to get him clean. And then when they brought him back, they roomed him with Paul Gascoigne because that was a fucking great idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's put these two addicts together in a room. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? So I don't know why. It's strange how Chelsea just went, nope, boom, we don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Fired. But they did the same thing with, uh, did the same thing with Adrian Mutu, didn't they? Yeah, well, they did, yeah. But I, th I think I, I would... I think that's a strong shout, Bosnich, a bit like, you know, I mentioned with, with Paul McGrath. You know, you remember what he did at Villa. He was a great, you know, and you can even, if you, if you say Mark Bosnich, you already know what his kit looked like when he played for Villa. You know, that's that's the memory it sort of invokes. Uh, but he definitely it was... A his kit and his hair. <laughs> yeah. But he was a quality goalkeeper. But I, I think... I could probably link on to my second pick here because there is a goalkeeper theme, and you did mention him in your your list there. But but my number two pick is actually Tim Hard, great goalkeeper. Yeah. So Tim Hard, he played seventy seven times for Manchester United between two thousand and three and two thousand and seven. He conceded seventy one goals. He had thirty one clean sheets. So I did a little bit of digging into his stats and compare that to the not underrated Peter Schmeichel, that Tim Hard conceded the goal every 1.08 games and Schmeichel conceded the goal every 1.19 games. I think a bit like my first pick, Paul McGrath, I thought Tim Hard did a job, very difficult position, was coming in between a legend, a club legend, and we just hadn't found the the right fit he he did his job he did make some mistakes I think he was treated a bit harshly at the club if I'm being perfectly honest but you see what he he went on to sort of cement his position at Everton as a top Premier League goalkeeper that probably will go down as maybe 
in the top 10 of the league. Maybe it's a bit of a bold shout, but I thought he was a great goalkeeper. He just maybe just didn't give get his chance at Manchester United. I think the problem is, you said it in the first podcast, it's a cutthroat business. Uh, and when you're at the top, when your club is at the top, it's even more of a cutthroat business. And you're right, when because the amount of times that we saw goalkeepers making mistakes and the confidence went. I mean, we, it happened with, well, happened with Bosnich, happened with Bartes. Bartes was erratic. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fan of Bartes, I'll be honest. Yeah. Then Howard. I, I liked Tim Howard. I thought Tim Howard was a very good goalkeeper and deserved more time and more patience. But it, it didn't happen. And I was fuming every time I saw him pull off a star man performance for Everton. But I loved him. And what, what made me annoyed more about his leaving United is after he left, he then revealed that he was a Tourette syndrome sufferer. And I thought, why? I thought, well, first of all, I thought, why couldn't you reveal that while you were at United? Mm -hmm. And secondly, why wouldn't the club want you to reveal that? Surely that is something that, um, that should be praised. You know, here's a man with a disability in front of our goal. I mean, today, you would like to think that it would be everywhere in the front pages of the news, its representation, its inclusion. But then it was, it would be promoted. But it was almost like, I felt it was almost like he's gone to Everton and it's now, oh, by, you know, um, I suffer from Tourette's. It's a, and his form of Tourette's was, in, uh, was a tick, I believe it was which he controls. But my abiding memory of Tim Howard is that World Cup where essentially it was just memes everywhere because Tim was keeping the USA in that World Cup single-handedly. It was just, they were shooting from far, from near, and it didn't matter because yeah. Tim Howard was like Neo from the Matrix. And that is the abiding memory I have of him. He was a cracking goalkeeper. And I, and I have to admit again, he was very nearly on my list. Okay, well that's good. This has been uh, we're we're seem to be in agreement with each other's list so far. Why not follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? Search for Fans United Podcast. Well, let's see if we can continue that agreement. Okay. With my second pick, he came, he saw, he kicked his ass. <laughs> Sorry, Ghostbusters reference there. I know, Ghostbusters reference. Love Ghostbusters. Just so annoying that we can't see Afterlife until, you know, God knows when. He came, he saw, he said he wouldn't stay any longer. We asked him if he, if, if he could because we wanted him to. He said, no, I made a promise. And then he left. 13 games later, he scored three goals in the process and generally was a well-liked seasoned pro whom the club and fans embraced into their bosoms and just wished that he stayed longer. Henrik Larsson. Yeah, what a shite. Definitely. Henrik Larsson. I, I was astounded, was a word, when we signed him on a loan. Because I thought, what the hell? When, how, when did that come from? And um, as I say, he only played 13 games. And he, only, and he may have only scored three goals, but he was... But he was he was so he was instrumental in those thirteen games that he played. 
you know, he made a difference every game he was he was on, or that's that's how my memory is is telling me. Um, and the club even asked the Premier League for a special dispensation in order to give him a medal after winning the title. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was an odd it was an odd transfer. I mean, it was it was he was only on loan because of the Swedish off season because he had joined Helsingborg on a after owner. So and he had made the promise to his family and this and and Helsingborg that he refused to stay United any longer, even though they they desperately wanted him to. So it was very honourable, which, yeah, you know, most of the stories you hear about Henrik Larsson is that he was he was a very honourable and very honest soul. But there's a part of me that says, "Fuck me! Why couldn't you've just been a bit of a mercenary this one fucking time? This one fucking time, Henrik, just stay, just be a fucking mercenary, be a Bastian Schweinsteiger." <laughs> uh, yeah. I think what what you mentioned there about um, the you know the the appearances what and the the memory I think it was he obviously played up in Scotland did amazingly for Celtic went to Barcelona but it helped that on his debut uh, it was the FA Cup against Villa you know he scored he did so he, it, that's always going to live in your memory and then it's sort of as you mentioned earlier the mythology of you know, another shrewd Fergie signing it was Christmas time spring a season pro in ease the pressure and uh, it was a remarkable signing uh, even though uh, it was for su- such a brief um, brief moment it was I mean of course as you say there everyone remembers his time at Celtic and my views on the quality of Scottish football notwithstanding he, he was great <laughs> at Celtic I don't mean that in a bad way but yeah, you know it's it's not it's not it's shite. I was trying to be diplomatic, Chris. I was trying to be diplomatic to anyone who actually might listen to this and supports a Scottish team. Well, then they shouldn't listen to this. <laughs> no, I want. I know we want other fans to listen. We want. No, we want. We want to be a positive. You know. Yeah. Influence. We want other fans to get involved because we want to. Rec- we're cre- we're recreating the pub because none of us can get to the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so of course he, he went to Barcelona uh, on a free, and of course everyone. You know I don't know if people remember his time at Barcelona, but it was it was disrupted very badly in his first season because he um, he suffered a, an ACL tear and a meniscus in his left knee. That's right. Um, so. And his, his second season, he was more of a, I think it was more of an impact sub, but he scored some crucial goals for Barcelona. None more pivotal. And this, and this, is, my, this is one of my favourite memories of him because I remember watching the game and it was the 2006 Champions League final. Barcelona versus Arsenal. Arsenal are 1-0 up. And Barcelona have Ronaldinho. They've got all these fucking forwards on the, on the thing. And they are utter pants at this point in time. So with 30 minutes to go, Henrik Larsson is brought onto the pitch. And within, within minutes, he's provided two assists. And now Barca have 1-2-1. And it was just, he was superb. He was man of the match. I don't know if he was, he was man of the match, but he should have been man of the match. He just strolled onto the pitch and just, yeah. you know. And then, of course, the fact that he refused... To he politely refused to sign another extension and left for 
left Barcelona on a free and went and signed for his very first professional club, Helsingborg. So his, so his quick stop at United, it, that, that time was essentially his retirement tour. Yeah. And I loved, I loved that his retirement tour was spent partly with us. Yeah. I think that's a, we're definitely still in, in agreement. I think that's a, a great shout. It's, again, he's one of those players that he's just a, a great professional. You never heard anything derogatory about him. He always, you know, acted in the, the right way everywhere that he went, a model professional in the, in the days of, we'll just hear that footballers are, are greedy mercenaries, as you mentioned. You know, he agreed to sign his contract. He, he, he took the contract to the meeting, didn't extension, said, look, I've given him a word, I've given him a promise. It wasn't just all about the money for him. Um, just, just someone who, who had honour. And uh, he definitely, that's those three months just over the, the Christmas period, especially when you look back at that season, you know, it's an extra body just coming in after Christmas time when the games are, you know, still coming thick and fast for a very brief moment, he was a great servant for the club. And it should be remembered, he is one of only two players in my memory who could pull off the dreadlocks. <laughs> the other being, of course, Taribo West, who, you know, he changed colours. It's brilliant. Well, uh, that's not who I thought you were going to say there. For me... Uh, uh, who, who did you think I was going to say? Rude Hullet, 82 European Championship. Were they dreadlocks or was just just a really weird perm? 88 championship. 88 championship, yes. But was that really was it really a dreadlock or was that a perm? That was them. They were they were locks. I'm googling this. They're definitely, definitely dreadlocks. Rude hullet. Hair. Oh Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I mean I'm, I, I don't I'm, Oh well, maybe that photo is a dreadlock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a weird mustache, but okay. We're gonna cut this. We're gonna cut this bit. Um, but yes, Heinrich Larson, Henrik Larson. Don't even know how to pronounce his first name. Definitely a cracking shout. So, who's your final pick? Come on, let's see if let's see if I'll, I'll agree with this final pick. Okay, here we go. This is awfully odd that we're agreeing with everything that each other is saying. So, my third and final pick. Hold, 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 hold on, I'm, I'm pausing for, I'm pausing for effect. I'll just come out and say it. It's Owen Hargreaves. Really? Really? <laughs> so again, Owen Hargreaves played 39 times for the club. Yeah, 39 times for the club. Two goals, two assists. Um, again, this is sort of coming from a, a personal approach, and it's probably a, a what might have been. I remember this, the year before he signed in 2007 the year before 2006 world cup in that england team he played an absolute blinder in midfield in that world cup mm-hmm. uh he was this i i, I obviously what well, at that time wasn't watching an awful lot of, of german football but saw this player and thought this guy is, is is great he was playing all positions in midfield and he was i my initial thought were was this could be a a good replacement for for Roy King, but with a bit more of a finesse to his game. 2007, he signed, and that 2007-2008 season, he was... By a bit more finesse. By a bit more finesse, you mean not likely to murder someone on the pitch, stand over them, shout at them, and then claim later, that was fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's... 
Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Not likely, not likely to decide that in a in a moment of sheer pettiness that because someone said something nasty to him two years ago, that he was going to then fuck the guy up. Graham, I have said this before in this podcast, and I'll say it again. I can get on board with that level of pettiness. <laughs> Look, I know your ambition is to have Roy Keane on here. <laughs> Imagine, I just shit myself. Well, I mean, considering that I'm the one that's saying derogatory things about him, I'm pretty sure it's my pants that need to be checked. <laughs> But anyways, back to Owen Hargreaves. Yes, back to Owen 2007, 2008 season, I thought he was immense. I thought he was a key factor in us winning that, that Champions League. Uh, he played brilliant throughout Europe. It was just that, I just felt he was that missing piece for those years before. Because after United won the Champions League in, in 99, we should have won that a heck of a lot more times. And the next time was 2008. Those sort of 2004, five, those seasons, it was always at the last hurdle. I remember 2000, uh, was it 2005, 2007? We got beat Aston Villa, or Aston Villa, <laughs> imagine Aston Villa, uh, SC Milan in the semi. It was the last hurdle. I just thought that this player was the, the, the key to us being a bit more successful in, in Europe. Where it all sort of went wrong afterwards was he, he played the significant. The, the most amount of his games for the club in that season. He was just dog with injuries thereafter, never recovered. And it, it led Ferguson to say that it was probably one of the most disappointing signings that he's ever made for the club, which is harsh in my, in my opinion. I just think it's probably where this is coming from. It's it's a what if, is if he didn't have those, those injury issues. I think Owen Hargreaves would have been a, a mainstay in, in that midfield for the next four, five, six seasons, but injuries just meant that was never going to happen. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't forgive him for the training video. Oh, I know. I knew you were going to mention that. That's all, that's all I can think about. When you say Owen Hargreaves, I just think of that, of that training video. That's it. That's all, I, that's all I can see. It is impressive that he's uh, running sideways on the treadmill. That's very difficult to do. Oh, it is very difficult to do, and and it's a damn sight more impressive than the pamphlet that Owen Hart created. <laughs> Not Owen Hart. <laughs> Michael Owen. <laughs> Owen Hart might have had a pamphlet. He, well, well, no. Um, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Because I... <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> I, you know, I know why, because I, I, I know why I've said Owen Hart, because um, I've just... I'm, um, I just watched the Dark Side of the Ring okay. episodes about Owen Hart. Uh, fa- fascinating uh, series. It's called Dark Side of the Ring. I think it's on Sky. I watched. I watched the the, the Benoit mm. one there about a week ago, yeah. two weeks ago, and I'm, I'm making my, my three. So I definitely, I definitely want to watch that one. No, definitely Owen Hart because I I loved Owen Hart. He was he was such a so brilliant in the in in the ring. Um, yeah. But anyway, so more. So anyway, that's Owen Hart out of the way. But Owen Hargreaves' training video. So you you can't you can't you can't you can't you can't forgive Owen Hargreaves and that training video. No, because it's no send it privately, dude. You know, don't put it out. You know, I, I, it's not. The, yeah, look, I know. I know he played some. He was pivotal in some games. But my abiding memory of Owen Hargreaves is I expected more, and. At the same time, it's not your fault because you've got knackered knees. Mm. Because obviously, something else, something had gone wrong 
during Borussia Dortmund and it wasn't properly sorted out. Um, and it's just sad. I, I look at Owen Hargreaves as, as a, sad, a sad transfer because, as you say, he could have been a mainstay. And, he, and uh, I really wanted him to be that mainstay because he had the quality. Yeah. But it did just, it just, did just become a disappointing transfer. And then he went to Man City. But which at the same time, I, I, I will say this, I don't have that much of a problem with that because at the end of the day, he's living in Manchester. Manchester City have offered him a contract. Why would he move his entire family? It's a practical reason. And why not? It, doesn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me half as much as the Tevez transfer did, but that's because it just seemed to be, <laughs> just seemed to be malicious. Yeah, I think the Tevez one, there is, there is spite there, but also yeah. he is short time at United, but... He was quality. I, I was toying with the idea of putting him on this because he was a quality player for United. He went on to, to, to you know, have a successful career at Man City. Owen Hargreaves didn't. Mm, no. And also, I have to say, Tevez was on the periphery of being included. He's the name that I've got here, underscored with about three question marks on and it's and it's purely because can I really say that he's one of my favorite players who've played less than a hundred times for the club by one and yet he was such a dick afterwards <laughs> yeah I know but I think that's I think that's it he he was a great player but for me why I couldn't put him on that you know when you look at the three that are on mine uh well you may not agree with Owen Hargreaves I think it was the the what if it, he didn't leave in the wrong way for how Tebez got on and how he got on subsequently at, mm. at Manchester City, trying to trying to force a move, you know. I know for all the the good that 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 Tevez did at Manchester City, that forward three was you know a blistering attack. Mm. It, it just it soured it soured it for me. So that's why Owen Hargreaves went on there because there's an element of as you said it was a sad transfer. I just think of what if because. He was so good in that World Cup in 06. He was. He, he was. was so good in the 2007, 2008 season. It just, it just, it just turns sad after that. Yeah, it is. It, no, it definitely, definitely is. I can't, look, I can't argue. I can't argue against against it. Um, just, I did look at his name, but it just wouldn't have, just wouldn't have been in my list. And and something tells me, possibly. My third and final one might not be on yours. <laughs> Don't know why, hmm. but we'll find out. To, but we'll find out together. So, third and final player. My introduction to this man is simply this: a World Cup winner, European champion, English champion, French champion, UEFA Cup winner, two cups in Spain, a cup in France. French Player of the Year, and he played for nine different clubs from 1983 to 2003. Le Président. That's French, by the way. <laughs> it means the president. Oh, okay. Thank you for explaining that to me. D in French, my whole. <laughs> it is Laurent Blanc himself. Okay. He made, 75, he made 75 appearances in total, scoring four goals. And considering his age because he joined us at the age of 35, which is funny because I'm 39 now. And, you know, we talked and I remember when he signed in 2003, all the talk was, well, he's over the hill. He's 35. 
I'm 39 and I look at 35 as going, you fuckers, enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. It passes you by fucking quickly. So, but considering his age, he was only subbed off eight times. Mm, that's not bad. Which I, th- which I find impressive. And he was only brought on as a sub four. And considering his pace, which was non-existent. <laughs> I was going to say there, where are you going with this? He was only booked eight times. That's not bad. It's not bad. I, I, you know, I think, we, as I say, we brought him to the club at the age of 35. And he had some dodgy form in the first few months. I believe we suffered five defeats during that time. And the ironic thing was that the clubs that we were beaten by... The first letter of each club spelt out Blanc. <laughs> did you research this? I did research that. Um, <laughs> but despite that, this did not hinder this rolls of a defender. Classy, but fucking slow. So we always talk about a certain player who have come and gone from the Premier League because, you know, we, uh, we always talk about how they came at the wrong time in their careers. You know, they were too old to adapt to the... Yeah pace of the Premier League um, or their legs their legs just couldn't hack the hack that same pace and let's be honest I mean Laurent Blanc had a pace that would have caused the old flash villain the turtle to look at him and go damn man how do you get so slow you're gonna teach me that shit <laughs> because I'm slow but yet he played very well he was he was a mainstay and he was certainly was a mainstay in the team. He was brought to replace Yapstam, yeah. which, considering Yapstam would have eaten your grandmother, you know, he was he was this champagne footballer who just kind of walked everywhere and put the <laughs> tackles in. But we and even though we signed him at the wrong time in his career because it was the end of it, um, we had him for two seasons. And so why do I have him in here? It's simply this, and I've already stated I was not a fan of Fabian Barthez, but I loved Lauren Blanc's double act with him. It was, it was, it was just seeing these these two players reunited at United. You know, it was like something. It was like something from old pro wrestling shows. I mean, you and I have both discussed over the years how we have enjoyed watching pro wrestling. Yeah. Now, for me, it was WCW and WWF, now E, from mid-late 80s to the 90s. And it felt, it felt like watching the old Rock and Roll Express reuniting once again after years away or apart in some place new and showing people what made them special. And that's how it felt. It felt like that. Watching, watching him kiss Bartez's bald fucking erratic head <laughs> and the rest was just magic it was just lovely it was just like watching that kind of thing and at the end of the day it wasn't a bad replacement for Yapstam. no i think i think you're you're right it, it takes you to look back at these players again probably caught you know the club was was in a you're fucking tired of saying this a transitional period you now after winning that champions league in in 99 you know hadn't properly replaced a goalkeeper, you know, Yapstam going. Lauren Blanc came in, did a job for two seasons. He 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 won the league 2002-2003. So mm-hmm. yeah, while he's not a, a Yapstam, a Vidic, yep. a Ferdinand, he's a a model pro. He came in, did his job, and you know, was successful for the time period that he was at the club. I think 
I'm right in saying that Ferguson had tried to get him from as early as the mid nineties, 96, I think, but was, I think he was at Barcelona at the time, but it just never transpired until 2001. So, you know, Mm. it's not for want of trying. He tried to get him, you know, five years earlier, he would have been 30, probably peak, peak, uh, well, yeah, to come to the end of his peak of his career. So, yeah, I would, I would say that's a, a shout. It's one of those players you mentioned, you know, you groan, oh, Lauren Blanc, you know, one of those joke joke players for the club. But no, I, he, he's, uh, he started off slow at the club. But apart from that, yeah, I think that's a... a and he ended slow at the club well, as well. He, that, that's, that's the thing here. He had no pace. <laughs> he had no pace. But No he, fucking pace at all. Well, he had no pace, but again, there's a lot of players... You've no, once your pace goes, he had a football brain, so he knew where he had to be, even if his legs had had given out. Oh, yeah, I just, I just loved, I just loved the fact that he, oh, we've got Lauren Blanc. It's fucking weird. This shit's weird, man. He's fucking thirty-five. He looks, yeah. he he looks like he should be, you know, enjoying life in Monaco, you know, smoking, smoking a couple of cigars and drinking port. And in fairness. I, that was probably what he was doing at training. Yeah, probably. But it was just lovely. It was just like, we've got Lauren Blanc in the side. It's fucking, it's just, wow. It's, it's probably the only time I've ever been starstruck by a signing at United because it was Lauren Blanc. Such a, I, I just found it weird, you know. Yeah. And I remember we, I remember at the time, you know, um, people taking me out of the, the mick when we, when we signed him saying, what the fuck are you signing that guy for? He's fucking over the hill. It's like, I don't know. But he's here. Won the league. Yeah, exactly. Probably got a, got a good deal. Why not? Sorted out yeah. a, a stopgap for, for two years. Yeah. So that's that's my three. That's your three. We're generally in agreement. Yeah. Generally. Yeah, I, think, I think that was it. Yeah, generally. Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely generally in agreement. What I would love to know is do any of do any of our listeners have players who they think we could have mentioned who have played less than a hundred times for, uh, at the club, and what reasons? You know, it doesn't have to be that they were the greatest player ever. It could be it could be Makeda. He scored that goal at Villa. That was it. I'm, I and I remember that goal. We were at the yeah. front bar. I think we went. We were. We went buck daft. I think Chris Fry had left. He took the huff, and uh, oh, we had to shout at the door whenever they, they equalised. So he came running back. Fuck I was, for, uh, I, Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He was he was he was crossing the the blue bridge, <laughs> and we shouted, "They scored!" Ran back, and then but again, when you, when you think back of that, Makeda went on. Even said himself, he didn't he didn't work hard at at, at United. No, but no, what. What he'll always have that. What a what a what a debut. Well, he is. He's part. He's part of the Man United mythology. He will. Yeah. He will. He will always have that. I mean, it may not pay the bills, but he'll always have it. <laughs> so, if we look forward to next week's episode, what what will you what will you be challenging uh, me with this uh, this next week? Well, I was thinking about the lines of when I was doing the research for this players who played under a hundred appearances. What if we thought along the same thing if we do our top three favorite players ever to play for Manchester United? In our lifetime, obviously. In our lifetime. 
So again, thinking about the theme of they don't have to be the, the best. If someone says to you, who are your three favorite Manchester United players ever in, in your lifetime? It can be for how they played, whatever whatever it may be, the, your personal top three. Now, I think just to be fair, we should keep the caveat of no current squad members. 100%. Good. We're in agreement. That's, that's great. I only don't want to hear from listeners with their suggestions for players who didn't play over 100. But I definitely want to hear what people have in their minds when it comes to favourite footballers of Manchester United in their lifetime. Give us a message on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can search for us at uh, Fanny... Uh, you can search for us at some fucking point in life. I don't know. You can always just, you know, you can, you can, you can find it. If you really fucking try, you can find it. But, I mean, if you need help, if you need help, you know, just search for Fans United Podcast... <laughs> And give us a follow. And then send us an email. <laughs> or send us a tweet. Or send us a fleet, because that's a fucking thing now. <laughs> yes, definitely give us a follow. A fleet? It sounds like a sex act. Here, love. Giving you a fleet tonight. Oh, fucking lovely. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what the fuck it means. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, um, I just want to say thank you again to everyone that's, that's listened uh, to the podcast, who's liked our social media pages, who's commented just everything every every little helps as uh, one supermarket brand says it it really is uh, it, it it you know this is a, a personal pet project for for me and graham but it's definitely it's made even better that we have some some input from from fellow manchester united fans and if you are going to give us input just as an example mark when you're messaging with a question mark what are you asking us man is it your? Do you think? Do you think Henningberg's underrated? Because we we didn't, we we didn't, man. But yes. So yes, if if you're commenting, try and make the comments clear. Yes. <laughs> but excellent. No, thank you very much, Chris, and thank you again. Thank you everyone for listening, and we shall be back next week after we've taken three days to edit the fucking thing. <laughs> yes no this this week's episode i do promise will be will be done on time uh last week was fairly hectic yeah. uh work-wise but i definitely will well this will be edited and it'll be out on thursday no no i mean let's be honest as you said it's a personal project for the two, for the two of us um it's a personal project for you um because it's something you've always wanted to do and you've you had the clear vision it's a personal project for me because um Honestly, I think it's it's certainly something for me to look forward to uh, with my mental health um, recovery. And I get to take the piss out of you every week <laughs> on a Monday. Every winner, baby. <laughs> and then panic when I have to edit the blacking thing. Five ice baths. Excessive, you know, my medication just about holds me steady, but it's great. And then we release, and then we go. How many fucking people have listened? How many people have listened? How many people have listened? One more person, fucking amazing. Yeah, but yeah, we're not desperate or anything. Listen to our podcast, please. Listen. <laughs> no, okay. Bye. <laughs>